0: different ways revealing the feminine by seal published 2020 chapter three early life east of west part one all the clocks in my home growing up were set 10 minutes fast the adjustment was made to ensure we would never be late I was often early and became well-oriented to the edges of other people's comfort zones and their expectations growing up. Knowing what people expected of me allowed me to show up within those assumptions and navigate around them at my leisure. Unfortunately, I was only able to keep ahead of those boundaries for short sprints before I would step over time's constraint to voice what someone was thinking and sour the environment. I was different from my siblings, from my looks to my interests. They were all older, light-skinned, and fair-haired. I was brunette, swarthy, and brown-eyed. I was tolerated, an interloper visually and in my interests. Mom indulged me, and I felt close to her. I wanted to be close to my nana, Mom's mother. But she kept her distance most times. Nana was our caregiver. She cared for us with a benevolent yet methodical hand. We lived with Nana in her house. The advanced clock was her idea. I reflect pensively upon the cheerlessness of Nana. She was about the age I am now, in her 60s when I was born, and much of her life force was waning and reserved for maintaining the house she bought and partially built herself earlier in her life. We all shared her big house, my half-brother, my two half-sisters, and I. She watched us and kept the household running while Mom worked. Nana would walk me to and from kindergarten and would feed me lunch when I came home, We would listen to Arthur Godfrey on the radio together, and I would see her smile to herself upon occasion, as Arthur spun homilies. Sometimes she would lean in and sing a song in German to me in a whisper, to ensure secrecy and swear me never to tell. Edelweiss. Most times she was quite stoic, though, sad and tense. Nana had a fear of being discovered as being German. Everyone knew her as English. She had studied the ways of the English when she worked as a maid in London on her migration from Germany to the United States. She practiced the vernacular of the British to the point that I actually to this day still find myself utilizing the idioms I picked up from her. In the years of the migration across Canada and in settling in the United States, there were horror stories of how Germans were cruelly persecuted and tortured for being Nazis when they were simply of German descent. She was convinced that she would lose everything if anyone in the public or in the government sector found out the truth about her lineage. Mom told me this. Nana doted on my mother and was demanding upon her time on the weekends. This was a burden my mother sometimes found overwhelming, though she never openly complained. How can she complain about the one person who provided her to keep her children sheltered? Then she had the children and her mother pulling on her weekends when she had but 72 hours before she had to report back to work once more on Monday. I could tell Mom was tired and weary. On Saturdays especially, her life was hard to face. She would dawdle in bed until she was forced to rise and meet her obligations to her mother, taking her shopping, organizing the house, cleaning, and paying some attention to her family. This was the exchange. It was tough for her. To my mother and the other single women of her generation, her ticket up and out of any disappointing situation was to marry. Mom all had already. Two marriages fail, but she never stopped looking forward and trying for her goal. I was groomed for this marriage trajectory, too, as I was basically like mom raised by my nana. Fortunately, I wasn't born under the unlucky aspect of being forced to have a husband for validation in my life. Though I did marry once, I was quick to realize I didn't like it. This is one of the many bullets I dodged being born at a time of increasing consciousness and emancipation. I was not, however, able to avoid the burden of my gender, my insufficient pedigree, and my lack of discipline. At that young age, I didn't realize I had a burden yet. It would grow heavier as the years progressed. Venus and the Artful Dodger In my poor and predominantly female family, we always thought in terms of making or saving a buck, and I picked up these values young For fun, my mother and Nana and I would go on scavenger hunts to rummage sales and Salvation Army and the Goodwill. I grew accustomed to the acrid smell of moldering cloth and the sour scent of long-hoarded items that would overpower these places. It was the scent of a bargain to me, a secreted prize to be found amid piles of rubbish. I often bought costumes to play dress up in. This is a custom that continues to this day that gives me a kind of satisfaction in its pursuit. Thrifting, treasure hunting. These days, the scent of Febreze masking the biting scent of age. As a small child in the neighborhood, I would pick flowers in people's gardens and then go to their front door and ring the bell to sell them the flowers that I found. I had no idea this was wrong, I was very small, and I don't know how it came to be that I would be wandering down our quiet back street doing this kind of door-to-door soliciting, but I did this for the longest time without correction. Finally, a neighbor gently enlightened me by telling me it was not a good thing to do to sell someone their own flowers from their yard. "'Who knew that flowers belonged to people?' Once, when there was a residential fire, a group of kids and myself sold Kool-Aid and fizzies to people watching the fire burn down someone's house. The firefighters came over for some refreshments before they packed up to leave. I remember them laughing but thinking they were just jolly. This stunt made the local newspaper... I didn't know it was an insensitive thing to do, nor was it ever explained to me. For years, I thought it a funny anecdote from my past. And then I realized, as my values came up for assessment later in life, how tragic and telling it was. There were never any boundaries or any moral code that I understood regarding money and property beyond knowing that stealing was wrong. I even got robbery with the stealing as a teen. I thought that a person would be considered smart if they found a way to get anything for free or at a discount. I had an inner artful dodger lurking and navigating my values that haunted me most of my life, locking me into a cycle of validating my own low self-worth. I continued all my life being insensitive to people because I never understood or appreciated values or my privilege I was constantly making mistakes with people like this, and I had a strong sense everyone knew something that I didn't. They did. They had ethics and a moral compass. These were not concepts I had been introduced to. Such was my confusion. LASH OUT I would sometimes sit in the alley by my house when ousted from playing at a friend's home in the neighborhood due to their having a family outing that did not include me. I would sit there and pout and look forlorn, so when they drove by they would feel bad and reconsider having me join them or, at the very least, feel bad because they opted out of my company. I was the reigning princess— of passive aggression in my neighborhood at age five. Youngsters who are not free to express anger or ask without being shamed, this is what happens to them. They pout, waif-like, and beg you to love them. In lieu of that, wish you to hell and hope you feel genuinely awful about your choice not to. They act out. They do this if they have any spirit at all. Passive aggression was very much my jam growing up. It would be decades before I understood that people not liking me or including me was their privilege and right, and that it didn't mean that I was necessarily unfit in some fundamental way. The feeling of being unwanted was always present, and I had a hair trigger over it. I would struggle with this insecurity all my life, This was my life wound. It went deep in me. And then there was the red-headed girl. Dawn had the most amazing flame of red curly hair I'd ever seen on another human being. She was older than I, hard and angular, and took to me fondly, following her around, which I did loyally, seeing myself needed. Someone was ill and dying in her living room. I saw them one day when I went to her house unexpectedly. She shuttled me fast out onto her porch, upset over what I saw. The city had just installed a stoplight at the busy corner near our homes, and we went down to check it out. Dawn grabbed my long ponytail using it as a leash and drug me on all fours back and forth across the crosswalk, parading me like a dog in front of the cars waiting there at the light. I recall feeling scared and confused as to why she was doing this. She'd press the walk button repeatedly while holding my head down to the curb. Back and forth. No one in the cars ever tried to stop her. Maybe they were afraid of her, too. Her anger was palpable. I learned to avoid her, but not before I decided that I had done something wrong to make her treat me that way. I often picked angry girlfriends and brought out the meanness in them as a small child. My own anger and frustration was not yet free to surface. By the time I was socialized into the school system, I knew to keep my mouth shut on almost everything which oddly had the effect of people thinking I was smarter than I actually was. I saw no reason to let them know otherwise. Maintaining this quiet set a precedent of fraudulent charade, and when people got close to me and found out that I was neither smart nor interesting, often they would drop me, feeling betrayed by my pretense. Still... I maintained this tactic and socializing most of my life until I began to gain confidence in myself and understand the importance and the sweet liberation of asking a question without being shamed so I could cultivate friendships. Thank you for listening.